0: And the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will teach you how. Now, over to your host, Anne Marie Cross. Hi, everyone, it's Anne Marie again with you today. Now, if you're a regular listener, you'd know that we like to cover diverse topics to help ambitious entrepreneurs build successful businesses. And of course, this show is no different. We've got another fantastic guest expert lined up for you today. However, today's special guest is an expert in brick and mortar stores, helping retailers maximize their productivity and profitability. So if you're a brick and mortar retailer, this show is for you, although I'm sure other ambitious entrepreneurs can take away numerous insights from today's show as well. Now, today I'm joined by Francesca Negazio, and she is a retail expert and author Vend point of sale. She's constantly writing about how retailers can increase their sales, serve customers better, and be more awesome overall. Now on today's show, Francesca is going to speak about the trends and tools that you can use to future-proof your store, as well as keep up with modern shoppers. We're also going to be talking about discovering the power of data. And we're going to talk about how to gather intelligence on your customer and how to use that information to make smarter business decisions, as well as helping you to increase your productivity and your margins through automation. So welcome to the show, Francesca. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. (laughs) Now you have written a book, Retail Survival of the Fittest. Can you share with us today the inspiration behind why you wrote this book? Sure, sure. Great question.
1: Well, my main motivation for writing Retail Survival of the Fittest is that I wanted to debunk the misconception that brick and mortar retail is dead. You know, between Amazon and Zappos and all these online stores, people think that we have no need for physical stores anymore, but mm. that's just not true. Both as a consumer and someone who covers the retail space, I know that brick and mortar isn't dead it's just evolving. Traditional shops, boring brick and mortar stores may be in a decline, but in their place we're going to see other breeds of stores that are, you know, are evolving and are equipped to keep up with modern shoppers. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a reason why e-commerce companies like Birchbox, Warby Parker Nasty Gal and even Amazon are actually setting up shop offline there are plenty of opportunities in physical retail and you know my book will will shed light on those things so other brick and mortar stores can know how they can evolve and stay fit for the future yeah
0: Look, I I, I think for you, making a stand for those retailers and, and brick and mortar is so good because so many business owners who do run brick and mortar, when they see what's going on in the online space, it can really feel quite disheartening because it's kind of like, okay, so are all our customers now getting pulled into the online world? And as you've said, that actually is a myth. However, there are some key things that brick and mortar stores and retailers can be doing to really maximize the experience for their customers. And I think that that is such a great lesson for for all of us uh, that you're going to be sharing anyway today. So let's dive in. How can retailers enhance the customer experience so that they increase the loyalty and ensure that their customers keep coming back? Sure. I think
1: the first step is to stop thinking about Physical and online retail as competitors. You know, it's not an all or nothing battle between brick and mortar and digital. The key is making these two channels work together to provide that seamless experience to the customer. Because let's face it, the modern consumer these days, they're using multiple channels and devices to shop. Some people may do research online and then check prices using their phone, then ultimately buy in the store. Or they can check prices in the store and then ultimately buy online. Mm -hmm. So the key is hitting all those channels, making sure that your business has a presence on the physical realm the digital and mobile realm so that you can be there for your customers no matter where they are or what device or channel they're using
0: mhm so very important and and one of the words that you expressed is the experience, isn't it? And, and and I think when they're hitting all of the different channels and then people come into the stores, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness, it really allows them, the, the retailers, the brick and wall retailers, to create an experience that, goodness, that online just, just could not provide. So can you tell us more about how retailers can use data to make smarter business decisions? Because I think often the gold is in the data, but we're just not taking note of that.
1: I love that you said the gold is in the data because you, you took the words out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Data is a goldmine for retailers. In this day and age, merchants have so many tools that can eliminate the guesswork out of doing business. You don't have to guess you know, which of your customers are female, which are male, where they're coming from. Thanks to tools like Google Analytics for online retailers and online merchants, mm-hmm. they can absolutely not just guess, but actually Back that information with numbers and stats and data. For example, the company that I work for, and this is for brick-and-mortar retailers, then it has an analytics and reporting tool that can give retailers insights into their sales so they know what their top sellers are, which are their most profitable items. And, you know, I'd like to tell you a story of, you know, a great example of a brick-and-mortar store Putting data into good use. So there's this store in San Francisco called Tee Wee Tea, and they're a tea retailer. So they sell housemade teas as well as tea accessories like teacups, um, infusers, and everything. And so they were looking at their data, they analyzed their inventory, and then they were able to figure out which of their top sellers are, how much each item costs, which were their High margin and low margin items, and when they were analyzing that data, they realized that while their sales were increasing, their customers were buying more of their low margin items, like accessories, rather than their high margin items, which are their house made teas. And so, to you know, to address this, their big aha moment was that Tiwi bundled up their top sellers with their high margin merchandise, and then they sold those merchandise at a bundle at a discounted rate and so that move enabled them to move more their slow moving merchandise while increasing sales at the same time Mm. and you know that's just one source of data another trend that's becoming pretty popular in brick and mortar is in-store analytics where you know how websites can pretty much track how much visitors they got and all that There are now tools that physical retailers can put in their stores so that they can measure foot traffic, dwell time, peak hours. And so that, in turn, helps merchants make decisions in terms of staffing. Like if they know that 12 o'clock is their peak hours, then they'll know that they have to staff their stores more during those hours. If 3 o'clock is a slow hour, then they'll know that they have to cut back and staff. And so these are just some of examples of you know how merchants can use data to make
0: smarter data back decisions mm-hmm. I love that example, and I think examples of how other stores are using the data can really provide us with insights into oh okay we need to, to leverage in those areas as well you know Francesca, sometimes what I say to clients and and we've discussed with other guest experts on on the uh, the show here is that sometimes if there's a challenge In a particular industry, such as what you mentioned earlier, that there are so many people now going online, and that can certainly be a challenge for face-to-face retailers and in-store retailers. But to look at that challenge and really say, okay, so how can we leverage that and turn it into a plus for our, our store? And I'm sure that if there is certain data that people can ascertain about their existing clientele and what they want as far as an experience If they create that experience in their store, you know, in their face-to-face, their foot store, that in itself can be such a huge experience that really continues not only to attract clients, but really become the point of topic of discussion for customers, for consumers. Have you found that this to be true? Absolutely. I
1: love what you said earlier about turning, you know, e-commerce and all these things into a plus. Mm. I think that really is the spirit of entrepreneurship is that, you know, looking at these changes and finding opportunities in them. And I love like data is such a huge, such a rich opportunity. And I think, you know, it's something that retailers should really tap into.
0: Yeah. What would you say to a retailer then who may have up until this stage, not really had anything in place to start tracking data, what would you say would be some of the key things retailers should start to collect about their clients?
1: Sure. The first step, if they don't have any systems in place, like if they're still
0: using a pen and
1: paper, then definitely the first step is to switch to a point of sale or inventory system that will actually allow you to track that. And then once you have that in place... The key types of information that you should track definitely is sales and inventory so that you can pretty much know which products are moving, which are your high margin, are you making money or not. Second is behavioral or consumer information, and that includes demographics, birthday names, as well as purchase history. Mm -hmm. And that is such crucial pieces of information because if you know your customers if you know how much they spent it with you how often they're shopping and what they're buying then that in turn will allow you to tailor and personalize how you interact with them so for example like vent has customers with loyalty programs where they reward shoppers say based on different things like customer spend if they know that you know customer a has spent Let's say, you know, $100 this month and then customer B spent like $10 this month, then they'll know that, you know, they'll be able to reward customer A and customer B accordingly. Yes. Because you can't really treat your customers all the same anymore. One-size-fits-all marketing just won't cut it in modern retail or actually in modern business in mm-hmm. general. You really have to tailor your offers and be more targeted with how you communicate with your customers. And actually, customers expect that. Varyu studies have shown that customers appreciate it when you know companies tailor their offers, tailor their, their communication and recommendations to their personal tastes, history, and preferences.
0: Yeah. So important, and I love the way that you've stressed, and this is important for retailers, online providers, if you're only you know if you're a service provider and only only providing services online. What you said, Francesca, was no one experience covers all, all clients. Now, once you start to compile data about your clients, and I'm assuming that people are, are taking note also of contact details, and you might send a regular newsletter, you can reach out to your database and survey them and ask them what is it about an experience that you really enjoy. So you can ask, reach out to your clients and ask them, and uh, they're more than happy to answer you. and if course, this information can certainly become part of uh, the whole experience creation and and, and what you continue to do. So I think that's such a, a great reminder for all of us to start compiling data and use that data to really help us make decisions for our businesses. Yes? Totally. I'm actually glad
1: you bring that up because while collecting data, you know, passively or in the background, just counting your visitors and all that, that's important. It can get a little creepy if you do that too much without actually collaborating with your customers. So mm. data gathering, to some extent, can be a collaborative experience. You can ask your customers. You can send them fun quizzes on what they like, what was their experience like, and then you can use that that information that people volunteered to improve their experience even more. So thank you for bringing that up, actually.
0: Fantastic. All right, so when we come back, we've got a short message. When we come back, Francesca, you're going to share some tips on how retailers can be more productive and, of course, increase their profit margins. So we'll be right back after this very brief break. You have a mission, a passion to help others, which was why you became the coach. Helping a client overcome their struggles empowers you. However, when it comes to how much money your business is making, well, that's far from inspiring and empowering. In fact, you wonder what's stopping you from making more money in your business. You struggle to attract quality high paying clients and you often lay awake at night worrying about money and wondering if there's a way to change this. Guess what, there is one of the first steps is by changing your attitude towards money. How? By accessing our free mini training, Discover Your Money Story, the first and often missing step to healing your relationship with money and financial freedom. Go to discoveryourmoneystory.com. That's discoveryourmoneystory.com, the first step to your financial freedom. Fantastic. So, of course, we've got Francesca with us today, and she's talking all about how we can boost our profitability, our productivity in our retailer stores. And we've covered some great, great information on debunking some of the key myths as, as well as the importance of collecting data to really help us make decisions about our, our business and, of course, our customers and making the experience of our customers so much better as they continue to purchase from our stores and keep coming back and, of course, refer us, which is what we all want. So, Francesca, tell us about some of the tips on how retailers can be more productive as well as increase their profit margins. Sure. Sure.
1: I think there are two very effective ways to be productive while increasing your margins at the same time. The first is to is through automation. The last thing you want is to get all jumbled up in the details or in the day-to-day tasks that, you know, you forget to to look at the bigger picture of your business or you forget to focus on finding customers and everything, you're so caught up in the day-to-day on, on data entry and accounting and all that, that you lose sight of actually growing your business. Mm. So if you're looking to be more productive while increasing your margins, the first thing is to find repetitive tasks in your company, such as managing schedules or data entry, like I said, and see if you can automate them. For example, if you exert you know quite a bit of effort manually coordinating your staff schedules or making appointments and everything, making sense of timesheets. You can opt for an automated workforce management solution that can take care of all that grunt work for you. There are a lot of solutions out there. One of my favorites is Timely, which allows you to to schedule appointments with your customers and then send out automatic reminders and all that. There's also Deputy, which is a cloud-based employee management app It's a great example because it enables employees to easily pick up shifts, switch schedules, request time off using the app itself. So they don't have to use timesheets and then submit timesheets and everything. The bosses or the retailers can just monitor everything from one central location or app. So that's a great example of how you can get rid of data entry and manual work Mm. through apps. Another great example is that... If you're using a lot of time transferring data from one program to the next, find ways to integrate those two solutions. Get them to talk to each other so that you don't have to enter data twice. And that saves you time, which in turn gives you more resources or more time to focus on other aspects of your business, like taking care of your customers or growth and everything. Mm -hmm. So that's the automation part. That's the first thing. I think the second way to improve your margins as well as, you know, improving productivity is by offering tailored discounts and by finding ways to automate that process, which I'll talk about later on. So, like I said earlier, not all customers are wired the same way. You know, for instance, customer A may need a 20% discount in order to convert. Another customer may prefer free shipping. So, what you can do um so instead of killing your profits with large one size fits all offers, you may have to identify how big of a discount or what type of offer is necessary to convert each customer. One great example of this is from a retailer called BikeBerry.com. So what they did was that they analyzed their customer behavior. They gathered intel on their past purchases, browsing history. And so this allowed them to get to know their customers and figure out the most cost-effective way to convert each one. So they created a series of email campaigns with five different discount offers tailored to each individual. Mm -hmm. So customers received offers like free shipping, 5% off, 10% off, and 30% off new products. And so that enabled them to sort of maximize their margins because they're not sending discounts are too big of a discounts to customers who would convert at a lower threshold Mm -hmm. so that's one way of doing it and they found a way to automate that through a an app or another solution
0: Mm -hmm. oh i love that do you know okay. from your experience, and and love you to share a little bit more, sometimes as retailers or as business owners, we cannot see the areas that could be streamlined, that could be improved, that could be automated, and therefore we're reliving the cycle and these habits because it's something that we've always known. If someone has never thought of automating something or streamlining through automation, what are some of the key areas? I know that you've spoken about to data entry, of, obviously, and there are some areas where uh, following up with, with customers and, and keeping in, in, in touch with them that way. Those are really great to automate. Are there any other areas that often you see retailers continuing to spend so much time on these areas that uh, a lot of productivity could be gained through automating in that particular area in their business?
1: I think this is its a question, it, it, the answer will vary mm-hmm. depending on one business to the next. Uh, let's see, I would say aside from data entry and following up, I guess I would say another aspect where people waste time on is in retail, anyway, it's collecting data manually, asking mm. customers one by one, enter your birthday or write or rather doing it in a pen and paper type of format, like giving them a form and doing so. There are plenty of solutions that can do that for you, either by sending a quick email or an app or letting them log in through Facebook. So I think these types of things, you know, save a lot of time and automate much, much of the process.
0: As you were speaking about that, I could imagine myself standing in a shop and I could think of nothing worse if I had to stand there and give all these details However, if I was asked, hey, we would love to set you up on our VIP list, all we need is your your, your name and your email address and then you 're set up, and it 's like fantastic now, later on, automated, if I get sent a lovely little email to say, "Hey, if you want to update your database or here it, give us these details, we can ensure that we t- you know tailor our special offers and send them to you as our VIP and it encourages your client who 's now on your database to give a little bit more information at a time that suits them. And so I love that idea. You see, I think sometimes for some businesses, it's just a matter of really focusing and doing some key brainstorming because once you start to really hone in on on a particular area, that's when all of these incredible golden nuggets can, can kind of be brainstormed and then you can implement them no matter what business that you are in. Terrific. So let's dive into some trends. What are some trends that retailers really need to be keeping an eye on? Sure. Well, we've already covered a few of them. Big
1: data is going to be a big one, as Mm -hmm. well as omni-channel retailing, which in other words is simply being there for customers, whether they're online, offline, on their phone. So those are two very key trends. Another thing is security. Now, we've, we've seen quite a bit of retail horror stories in the last few years. There was Target, Home Depot. And so So many retailers and banks will be taking the steps, especially this year, they'll be taking steps to beef up security and fraud. And so if you have a brick-and-mortar store, one of the things that you should keep an eye on this year is what we call the EMV mandate. Which by October 2015, the U.S. will transition to a more secure payment processing standards for debit and credit cards. And I know you're in Australia, so you guys have this already, where the cards, the debit and credit cards of customers, they currently in the U.S., we are powered by magnetic stripes. Mm -hmm. But by October of this year or we're actually in the middle of a transition from magnetic stripes to chip and pin cards, wherein the card has a chip embedded in it. And it's far more secure because it prevents hackers from just taking data. And at the same time, it authenticates a transaction through a pin number rather than just a signature, which can be forged. A pin number is much harder to crack. So in the US anyway, that's a big trend that, that retailers really have to keep an eye on. If EMV is not in your radar yet, I suggest you talk to your payments processing provider, your banks and all that and see how you can transition to that because it's going to make your store more secure. And another thing is that by October 2015, merchants who do not upgrade their technology to support EMV will be held liable for fraudulent transactions that are still using a chip card. So you don't want to be held liable for that. So that's one trend. Another big trend that retailers should watch out for is payments, specifically mobile payments. Between Apple Pay and currency and PayPal, you know, there are all these solutions for mobile. And it's pretty clear that more and more people will start using their phones at checkout. It's just a question of which solution will they end up using. Mm -hmm. And the best thing that retailers can do at this point is to just observe the mobile payment space. I'm not saying switch to Apple Pay tomorrow or anything like that, but just keep it in your radar. Talk to your customers, ask them what they're using. So that should give you some ideas and some insights that will help you decide how you're going to move forward if or when you decide to go with mobile payments. Mm I think those are the two other issues that we totally should keep an eye on this year.
0: I think what's really important for any retail store, particularly when it's around security, around payments, around all of that stuff that you talked about, Francesca, it's so important to keep tapped into things that are going on, you know, within that industry. Because I know here in Australia, when we moved from the strip, you know, the card that had the strip, and of course that had also uh, signatures for months and months beforehand, all of the stores had signs to say, you know, we will be switching over. So make sure that you get the pin from your banker that needs to get set up. And I know for, for quite some time, my husband was saying to me, we need to get that organized, you know, because he already was being warned months in advance so that when the switch and the changeover happens, you don't have a customer that walks in and you can't take that transaction. Oh, I'm sorry. We, we can't, uh, Take that, the payment that way. So make sure I think education, open transparency, open communication with your clients is uh, is such a great way. Is that what you say too, is just to, to be open, yeah, communication open and, and ensure your customers are aware of upcoming changes?
1: Absolutely. Educating your customers is crucial. I've talked to a lot of people about how they switched from magnetic stripes to emv and they did say that educating customers was a challenge i think for for a few weeks or a few months people were actually leaving their cards in the slots because it it, processing emv cards from magnetic stripes is way different Mm. and so yes training your customers and just communicating openly making sure you work together with your merchant provider to educate people about your changes in security and payments is absolutely critical.
0: Yeah, yeah. Then to what? what also, too, just re- remembering, I think towards the last month, people who were still using the old uh, technology and signing, the assistant would say to them, "By the way, just reminding you. that in, you know, at the end of this month, it, we're doing a big changeover. So, if you have not yet connected with your bankers to get the PIN number." You know, certainly do that. And, you know, we need to do that as uh, service providers, retailers, keep your customer informed. They'll appreciate that. And uh, I, I think that that's so important. Francesca, we covered so much great information. And I know that you've got a fantastic ebook with, I'm sure, so much more that people can tap into. We are going to leave a link on the show notes, aren't we? And there's a way that you click on the show notes, the link that we've provided. It takes them to your website. And I believe you've got a really special offer for people. Do you want to share what that is? Absolutely. So yes, so my book, Retail Survival of the Fittest, is
1: actually available wherever books are sold online. Anyway, there's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iBooks and everything like that. But you can actually get it for free if you download it from the Venn website. And yes, we will be adding that link to the show notes so that everyone can can see it and get a hold of the offer.
0: Fantastic. So, of course, the link to go to is com forward slash AES 145. This is episode 145. And uh, we will have that link. To get in contact, let me just share live on air the, the ways that you can connect with uh, Francesca. Her website is VENDHQ, V-E-N-D, And of course, if you want to follow her on Twitter, it's uh, at Francesca S-N. So any last words of, of wisdom as uh, we finish off the show today? Sure.
1: Last words of wisdom is that be open to the modern changes that are happening in retail Mm -hmm. they're great you know don't be afraid of off of online and mobile don't see these as threats rather embrace them find opportunities in them and use them to serve your customers better and give them better experiences.
0: I love that so very important don't be afraid of the technology in fact embrace them and uh, you really can ensure to deliver your customer an even better experience once you you really embrace those. So another fantastic show please come across to the show notes and click through on the link the show again is ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com forward slash AES 145 we'll leave the link so that you can click through and get a copy of the book. And, of course, we'll leave all of the links to uh, to Amazon as well. If this is the very first time that you're joining us on the show, thank you so much. It has been an honor to spend the the, the last little while with you sharing these great tips. Would you do us a favor to help us spread this message to other incredible ambitious entrepreneurs to support them in building their business? If you would like to go to iTunes and subscribe to our channel as well as leave a comment, that would be fantastic. Till next week, have a fantastic week. Bye for now.